Our scripture this morning is from the book of Acts, the third chapter, verses 11 through 20. While the man who was just healed clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's portico, utterly astonished. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, you Israelites, why do you wonder at this? And why do, why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate. Pilate though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the, of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Good morning. It is good to be here with you. And even if you are joining from a distance, it is good to be here with you as well. Join me in prayer. Holy Spirit, who raised Christ from the dead, give life to us as well. And as you do so, search us. By the inspiration of your word, Open us to your mercy, to your grace. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. On October 12th, 1958, just across the street here, 50 sticks of dynamite were detonated near the north entrance of our neighbor, the temple. The bombing was the work of white supremacists, known as the Confederate Underground only one of whom, by the way, was ever tried and acquitted. Our own congregation's part in this story is that we opened up this very sanctuary for their use. Uh, but before that, they gathered the following Friday evening for Shabbat amidst the rubble in enormous numbers. And Rabbi Jacob Rothschild stood and surveyed the crowd of worshipers and after a moment, 
broke the silence. So this is what it takes to get you to temple. Surprisingly, I found this piece of the story in a commentary on this morning's passage from Acts. And because you see that the joke works here too. Is this what it takes to get you to the temple? We've jumped into the story halfway through. Peter and John are walking to the temple for the prayers. Note here uh, that their belief in the resurrection of Jesus and uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit do not cause them to abandon the faith and practices of their people. They continue to be committed Jews. And on the way, they they encounter a man who has never been able to walk. And every day, he is carried to the gate called Beautiful to beg. Here, he is a mainstay, a familiar face. He is seen and known. But today, something different happens. As Peter and John walk past, the man asks for money, and Peter turns, and the story says, he looked intently at the man, and the man fixed his attention upon them. After this moment of mutual seeing of one another, Peter speaks, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Suddenly the man not only stands and walks, but jumps and leaps, just as the prophet Isaiah wrote, the lame shall leap like a deer. It is this that draws the people all running together toward the temple and gathering in Solomon's portico. They're seeking the one who by magic or manipulation has made this man they know well. They certainly did not expect it to be the work of a dead man. So Peter begins by clarifying, this is not a matter of power or piety. Are you still surprised? Or have you not yet heard? Our God has glorified his servant and son, Jesus. Peter then quickly moves to fold in an accusation. God has glorified Jesus, whom you rejected, handed over, and killed, having a murderer released to you instead. As we've already sung in our opening hymn, Christ's creatures crucified their God and friend. And as a more recent song puts it, trading their God for a hero forfeiting heaven for Rome. Peter says, this Jesus is the one responsible for healing this man that you walk past so many times. The power that lifted Jesus from the grave is lifting the poor from the ground. Healing is mysteriously made real by this murdered man whose life did not matter to the crowd to the powerful, to the empire, to you. And Peter softens the blow a bit. I know you acted in ignorance, and so did those who are in charge. And God has acted despite and through your ignorance. God knew the Messiah would suffer, but that does not change or justify what happened. 
You knew not what you did, but now you do. Repent, therefore, and turn so that your sins may be wiped out. This is Peter's message. And throughout the history of Christianity, uh, certain interpretations of this text and others have fueled anti-Jewish sentiments and violence by blaming them and them alone for the death of Jesus. The Jewish people have been persecuted despicably in the name of Christ. Even our own neighbors, even today. However, in this story, Peter himself is a Jew speaking to fellow Jews about their common faith and hope. He appeals to the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and alludes repeatedly to Moses, to Isaiah. Peter does not preach as an outsider. I mean this in in multiple ways, because even one of the most accusing words Peter uses for rejecting Jesus is the same word used in the story of his own denial of Jesus. Hear then the weight of his words, knowing his guilt, knowing his forgiveness, even when he himself was warned and not ignorant. So even if we read this story from the apparently higher ground of Peter's perspective, the message remains. We are all responsible for the death of God's Son. Even today, darkening my heart and yours is the same ignorance, the same violence that has swept our hope away, as once again we have already sung, the same willingness to allow the slaughter of a child of God. Like Dante Wright, like Adam Toledo, and countless others killed in the same way. And like Delena Ashley Yon, Paul Andre Michaels, Sun Chung Park, Hyung Jun Kim, Sun Cha Kim, Yong A Yu, Xiao Jie Tan, Dao Yo. If you don't recognize some of these names, some of Peter's audience might not have remembered Jesus's either. But many of them were shot in our own city, and many of them within walking distance of this sanctuary. Only a month ago. Killed with motivations shaped by supposedly Christian morals. Peter's message is a passionate plea to those within his own community to wake up, to realize what has happened, to take responsibility, to seek forgiveness and change. And this may seem a strange Easter sermon, but it is the resurrection that has opened the way for this to even be possible. Rabbi Rothschild's widow referred to the dynamite detonated that day as the bomb that healed because of the way it brought together their congregation and rallied together this city. This does not mean that any suffering 
or act of violence is somehow justified or made meaningful, nor that our ignorance and complicity are excusable. Peter himself does not even present the cross in any kind of positive light, as Paul later does. For him, the cross is not a means that justifies an end. It is only an offense, a horror that must be repented of. But our repentance is possible because God brings life when we choose death. When we kill the author of life, God raises him up. When we resist the resurrection and its reverberations all around us even today, when we stop caring and distract ourselves, when we shrug and seek excuses and scapegoats, when we still justify the tools of power and death that Jesus bore and broke, when we kill the innocent and let murderers go free, when we say no to the life of God in our midst, God says yes. And that yes means there's another way. It is time to turn. I stand and speak like Peter, a guilty person among guilty people. All too often, an angry person among angry people, an ignorant person among ignorant people. And it is time to turn. It is time to say that I am responsible for my ignorance, for the neglect and abuse of my neighbor that I failed or refused to see. Because even in the midst of all our malice and mistakes, God is already making all things new. On that Shabbat in October of 1958, Rabbi Rothschild had uh, more than jokes to deliver. He went on to declare, this despicable act has made brighter the flame of courage and renewed in splendor the fires of determination and dedication. It has reached the hearts of men everywhere and roused the conscience of a people united in righteousness. All of us together shall rear from the rubble of devastation a city and a land in which all men are truly brothers and none shall make them afraid. Even today, God's way will emerge from hostility, crisis, and killing. God's own faithfulness and hope is the final word, but it is no excuse. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Our responsibility now lays between. The risen Christ is calling us to repent. The risen Christ is calling us to turn from the apathy, from the self-interest, from the ignorance that allows children of God to fear, to suffer, and even to be killed. If we turn, if we put our weapons down, we can be forgiven. If we weep with those who weep and seek 
justice. Together we can be healed. Repent, therefore, and turn so that our sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord.